Pull up a chair and shut the door. It's time to step in and listen to the best office gossip at The Office Lounge, where Adrian explains it all. Join us for the juiciest topics around. Hosted by Adrian, senior HR exec and founder of the Black Girl Experience, The Cultured Career, and Olive in Maine. This is The Office Lounge. Hey y'all, hey, welcome to the first official episode of the Office Lounge podcast where we get into everything work-related, office-related, HR-related, and definitely personal branding stuff for the ambitious woman of color. I created this podcast for you guys as like another means to get content and information out there. I know it has been a long time coming, but we are here finally recording the first episode and I cannot tell you how excited I am to be here. There's a ton of different things that this podcast was created to cover, but I think it makes the most sense to kind of give you a little bit of history and context to what is really bringing me here to have these conversations with you guys, right? Right. So I've worked in HR and in the tech space for literally 90% of the time. My job as an HR business partner is normally tasked with working one-to-one with senior leadership, the executives, and other midline managers on their business goals, and I help them achieve whatever it is with an eye and a lens towards HR strategy. It's not the easiest job, it's not the most glamorous job, but what it has done, it has given me a ton of information and insight on how a lot of these senior leaders think about talent and especially diversity within their teams and businesses, right? I don't have to mention the diversity, equity, and inclusion problems that we all know exist, especially in the tech space. I'm sure we're all aware of that. But one thing that has been super problematic is how women of color and black women negotiate job offers. The long and short of it is, is that we don't do it nearly enough and we don't do it as aggressively as we should. Full stop. You might be thinking, how do I know all of this? And that is a, a good question. So let your question, right? I know all of this because I have been on the other side as the counter negotiator supporting managers when they're hiring new candidates. I've seen the gamut of black women and other women of color really sell themselves short on their talent, their education, their experience, and it was frustrating to see. Now, of course, um, that's not to say that all black women were super cautious and timid because that would be a damn lie, but we did settle more than average. I would witness how, how rarely men would settle on anything that they wanted. They wouldn't stop until they got something that was amendable to them, but we didn't do that. And that is the problem. That brings me to the reason why I am making this podcast episode today. If you follow me on Instagram at all, you know that I recently launched my new website, which is called theculturedcareer.com. And on that website, I actually have a whole section called blogs and articles. And so I recently also wrote a new blog post on how I negotiated a nearly 60K base salary increase and how I beat out 450 other candidates for a damn good job. Now I'm going to preface this entire conversation just like I did on the blog post saying that this this circumstance is really not the norm. I don't want anyone expecting that they can just walk into a job, interview well, and demand a 60K 
increase because that is not how I really facilitated this process. As I discussed, you will see that it really started from the very, very beginning. The negotiation did not actually start once I got the job offer. And I think that is something that a lot of people get wrong. They feel like negotiation and determining their worth and showing their worth really comes at the tail end of the job offer or the job interviewing process. And that isn't true. You need to start showing your value from the first conversation. And that's where I think we should start. Actually, before we jump into the nitty gritty, there's a few other things here that I want to caveat and also mention. So I was already being compensated on the high end of the market range when I was interviewing. So that's one thing. The 58K increase came in addition to what I was already making. And that was a very, very comfortable salary. Also, this was not a managerial position. I was not getting a more senior level role. It was literally like a lateral position. I was doing the same thing that I had been doing literally all my HR career, right? I was just moving from one job to the other, doing the same thing, but just for a different client group. That's the only difference. So I applied for the job more so out of curiosity. I didn't expect to really get super far in the process, but they had reached out to me sometime thereafter and I decided to engage with them because hell, why not, right? I had other things kind of going with me, not to mention I was already knee deep in getting the cultured career and the podcast off the ground. So quite frankly, my plate was really kind of full and I was not really trying to find anything new to get my feet into. But true to my own character here and just me knowing myself, if something comes along and I think it could be relatively lucrative, I'm going to look into it. And so that's what happened with this position. Now at the same time, Ironically enough, a few other companies were also starting to show their interest. And so just by happenstance, I happened to actually have a few things going on at the same time. Now that's my first piece of advice is to never over index on just having one singular thing for you to write on. You want to be able to diversify your interests and figure out what's going to be the best fit for you. So as I started to talk to this one particular company where I ended up getting a really solid offer from, I started to meet with the recruiter and I started to really dig into why I am the person for this job. My entire conversation with her was really building upon the value that I'm going to be delivering. A lot of people get caught up on what value is in the workplace. And I think that's a fair question, right? Because there's so many different variations of what it means. There's so many conversations about how to show you're valuable. And I think the easiest solution or the easiest definition is this. Now, we all know that business speaks in terms of money, right? So in order for you to be quote unquote valuable to them, you have to be able to do one of three things, either directly or indirectly. And that is either save the company money, you're making the company money, or you're making something better, or you're reducing the time to do something and you're able to do all of those things damn well. When I say all of those things, it doesn't mean that you have to be an expert in every single area, but your job likely focuses on one of those things, either indirectly or directly. Now in HR, we actually don't generate revenue, obviously, right? But a good company cannot function without having a good HR muscle. So my whole position from the very beginning of any conversation I have with someone internal is showing how I can actually generate some sort of revenue through the people. Now let's think about this a little bit more broadly and more applicable to anyone listening to this podcast. So let's say you're an administrative assistant. Your entire job is 
making a function stronger or you're taking away a task from the team, the department, a person, so it alleviates them from having to do more of the administrative things. Now that's all good and fine, but somehow your job in interviewing has to be how you make something better. And not only do you make it better, but you make it better than anyone else that they're considering. Now for better or for worse, the recruiter is not trying to get in too many details at this particular moment. They're really screening you for fit and suitability of the role. Do you also meet their compensation requirements? Are you too expensive? Now, considering the company, they may or may not have flexibility to go on the very high end of the scale. That's really not for you to know as a candidate, but it's something to always keep in the back of your mind. If they're going to be compensating you on the high end of the scale, is there a good reason why they should? You'll have less work to do in the negotiation phase if you start to build your value and your worth really early on. Okay, so I just spent eight minutes talking about how you need to over-deliver your value and what you're going to be doing for them and how you're gonna drive the bottom line forward. And that's the long and short of that. My next piece of advice in securing a super big base increase is what I did next, which is I buttoned up my interviewing style a lot. So what does that mean, right? I know, good question. It means that I gave the people what they wanted, a good ass answer. Anytime you're being interviewed, they're going to ask you a question and you need to respond. What tends to happen though, is as you're interviewing and as you're answering questions, we all tend to get a little bit lost in our answers. And what happens is the interviewer walks away without having any more information than when they first started with you. I'll admit that I have a bit of an advantage because I know what really bad interviewing looks like and I mean horrible interviewing. And I also really know what executives are looking for when they're trying to hire someone. So I'm able to kind of put all of those things together for a better and optimized interview experience when I'm going through it. But the other side is that it's completely different when I'm going through my own interview. So I don't really count that. I also don't get away with having bad interviewing days. So I'm saying all of that to say the way you structure your responses matters. Format that I've been using and it's been pretty successful is to what one, make a statement that links back to the question. And generally I use that as like almost like a thesis statement when you think about it. I don't just jump right into answering. I always say something like, that's a great question. In fact, I've had a situation like that fairly recently and it was really difficult to navigate. Here's what I did. And by doing that, you make your answer so much tighter and you also start to give yourself a little bit of leeway when you're starting to lay the groundwork for your next example, which is my second point. Always provide something recent if you can. I know that a lot of times you may have um, an example, but it's something that happened way back, that's fine. Don't over-index on that. But what you do need to do is somehow lead up to the example so you're not jumping right to it. It's really important for the interviewer to have the context as you're talking. And then lastly, to bring things back full circle, it's super, super important to summarize your full answer. At the same time, as you're giving your responses, you're going to do exactly what I said at the very top of this conversation, was to always show how you delivered some sort of value. Again, how did you move the bottom line forward? What did you make better? What did you improve? What did you reduce what things can you start to think about also something else that i always recommend is to talk in metrics because it helps give you a little bit more of a fuller story and it helps the interviewer know specifically how much you actually influence some change around the place here's a quick hack one that i don't always share because it's so good 
And that's this. If you're having trouble trying to figure out if you're going to be able to find some value that you delivered, here's what you can need to do. Ask them what problems or challenges they've been having, and you need to start to structure your responses in response to the challenges that they've been having. In fact, they're hiring you because they need help. So if you're able to speak directly to the problem and to the issues or the challenges, you are instantly in there. Easy peasy. So the next thing I spoke about in the blog is something super simple and one that I think a lot of people tend to forget about, and that is just being likable, relatable, and down to earth. Once you're able to build a little bit of a rapport, it makes it so much easier and much more relaxed for you to be yourself. And people start to think of you as more of a friend and an alrighty colleague than just a candidate. And that's what you're looking for. What this doesn't mean though, is to go and be fake and to be someone you're not. That's not what I'm suggesting, but I am suggesting that you just be yourself. Connect with the person on a human level. It never fails. Some of the more safer things to talk about is being over-zoomed. That's always an easy thing. Another thing is weather. That's always safe. And if you have a pet, try to find something to talk about with a dog. That always is like a safe bet. Building a rapport early and often is one of the easiest and surefire ways that you're going to have an easier interview. As long as you're trying and as long as you're connecting somehow, it'll be a lot easier throughout the time that you're speaking with that person. And here's my last little tidbit for you guys. I try to dig a little bit deeper than most candidates do. Now this ties into a lot of what I've been saying, but it's really, really important. So I want to make sure that I double down on this one. Once you get the information about some of the problems that they're having, having in your proposed solution, you're going to want to do that a few times throughout. And I try to do this. So it goes something like this, you guys. After they respond, I follow up with a comment that says, oh, okay, that's a solid foundation. I've seen similar problems and here's how I've approached this. Have you tried doing this? You're not only being proactive in finding solutions, but you're also literally solving their problem. However, I caution because don't give away too many goodies, right? Don't give them too much. You don't want them to take your ideas. You want them to hire you to solve that issue. I will say this, it takes a little bit of practice to become really fluid in this entire process, but once you start to do it a little bit more often, it becomes effortless. After I did all of those things, obviously I did it several times over because I had several rounds. I had several conversations with many, many people. And although that gets tiring, I kept my endurance up, y'all. I kept it up. Here's the good part. After I got my offer, which was very solid, yet again, I want to start to, um, like start to talk about that a little bit. It was a very solid offer and I would have been comfortable just accepting it the way that it stood. But again, where's the fun in that? And I would be going against my own advice by not actually negotiating the offer. So damn it, that's just what I did. Someone asked me, how do I know if there's room to negotiate? And that's a great question. My thoughts on that is this, if they don't say that the offer is firm and final, then go ahead and negotiate. If there's things that you really don't like in your offer, go ahead and negotiate. If you've received an offer, go ahead and negotiate. So what I'm trying to say is there's really no circumstance in which you wouldn't want to negotiate. Now it begs the question, what's up for negotiating? And as I see it, it's literally everything. There's nothing that's off the table. Of course, there's some things that you just really shouldn't bother negotiating. And that's things that are standard across the board. And that tends to be things like your benefits, um, your 401k, so your retirement pension. That's a one size fits all. Don't bother doing that. However, things like your salary, things like your vacation time, your PTO time, um, an office I've seen people negotiate. I've seen people negotiate signing bonuses, I've seen people negotiate higher relocation. There's so many things that are on the table that is as 
creative as you can get. One thing that if you have the opportunity to negotiate, I absolutely recommend, and that's equity. I won't get too much into the details of how equity works, but it's essentially ownership or shares in the company. If you're going to consider that, you need to be mindful of whether or not the company is public or not, because if they're not public, then you have shares that aren't really worth anything until the company does go public. Now, if they're on the path of becoming public, then great, it's an awesome thing that for you to start to think about, it's an awesome thing for you to have in your back pocket. But if they're really far out or there's no plans to go public, you're literally sitting on paper that's useless. In my case, equity was not on the table. So I knew that I had to be a little bit more aggressive when it came to either the base salary or a signing bonus. I'm all for getting money hands down and I always recommend trying to get a signing bonus if you can, because it's a one-time payout, so the company tends to see that as a little bit more favorable than trying to have a higher base salary. However, for me, I prefer to take my money home every single week or bi-weekly or semi-monthly. I just prefer the consistency of having a higher base. And that's my preference. You may prefer something entirely different and that's okay. Figure out your preference and what you need and start to think about that. Now you don't wanna share your needs or the reasons why, especially if they tie to something personal. So for example, if you have expensive rent, which we all do, especially where I live, I'm not gonna share that because honestly, they don't care. If you have a lot of kids or if you have a very high car note, again, that's something insanely personal and it doesn't have a seat at the table when you're negotiating. So leave that and check it at the door. In your counter offer, you wanna to start to think about how you're gonna position yourself as the best person, what you've already done because you clearly got the offer, but why you deserve a little bit more. Now you should have already been doing your pre-qualification just by having consistent value-driven conversations in the context of your larger interviews. This is a time when you want to start to re-highlight some of those things to the recruiter or hiring manager, depending on who you're negotiating with. So in your response, in your counter offer response that is, start to highlight some of those key contributions that you've had over time and position it as a great thing for them to think about because you'll be able to do and replicate that same level of success for them. That's another value driver, guys. If you're negotiating a base salary increase, which is something that I did, I knew that I had to start to think about the number, right? Now, I didn't think about 58K specifically, but I was thinking more in terms of percentages. And so when I went back, I said, can we actually add to the base salary by X percentage? Is there anything that we can do there? That's the language that I use to counter. Sure, it's not the most sexy, it's not the most interesting, but I'm able to build, again, rapport through the email and make it seem as though I'm a friend. I'm trying to get to some common goal, which is getting me through the door to work together. And that's the same position that you should be taking. You're not an adversary. You're not someone that they're trying to go against. You're trying to work together to make this work for both of you. Now, again, in my case, I was okay with everything else in the offer, so I didn't have too much that needed to go back and forth. But if that's the case with you, if you have other elements to the offer that you want to negotiate, I recommend that you don't do that in piecemeal, meaning that you don't get the offer, you then count to offer with the base salary increase and then come back another day or two later asking for more PTO. That's not the best approach to take. Think about your entire offer from beginning to end, from top to bottom, inside out. Pick apart everything that you do want to improve or things that you wanna ask about and send it all back at once. That way, when the recruiter's working with the hiring manager or compensation or the HR business partner, you're able or they're able to see what exactly you're trying to get to from a 30,000 foot view. 
that's nearly impossible to do if you're going back and forth after you get one thing done, now you're going back to the table again. I do not recommend that. It'll also piss them off. If you were fortunate enough to receive multiple offers, you can also play one offer off of the other. Now, I don't think that it's the best choice to um, to lie about an offer that you have not received yet. Reason being because a lot of companies now are taking the position of, if we're gonna counter offer against another company, you need to show us the goods. You need to show us this proposed offer. You need to show us this competing offer to have proof. So if you don't have that proof, you're the one that's gonna end up with egg on your face. And that ain't a good look, trust me. And here's the last thing that I always wanna recommend for you guys. I've given a lot of recommendations, but in negotiation phase, here's the one thing I really, really want you guys to have and to know and to keep and to hold, right? So that's this. Once you have everything that in order, once you're going back, the last thing you wanna craft or have to craft your email is this last sentence. If we're able to get to this place, I will accept the offer. And here's the reason why that's a game changer for the recruiter. Once they go back and forth with you and with the compensation team and the HR business partner team, once they have your word that you'll take the offer if they're able to at least meet some of your requests, it makes it so much easier. It makes the effort worth it. So if they're able to have that promise from you, then it makes it a little bit easier to digest and to do a little bit of extra hard work. It's the worst feeling to know that you've done all of this negotiating on both sides of the fence internally and externally with the candidate to find that they're not going to take the offer. It's not worth it. So don't do it. Make sure that you're, if you're going to negotiate, you're going to negotiate with the intention of having something done at the end for the company. And that's literally what I did. Again, it was a little bit easier for me because I wasn't going back and forth, but I did know what I was trying to get to at the end of the day. And I was gonna take the offer if they were able to meet at least some of my demands. And that's what they did. It took a little bit of back and forth, but I knew at the end of it, and they knew at the end of it that I was going to accept the offer. We just had to get over this one hump. And if you're able to position your uh, your offer as well, the same way, you'll have a much higher likelihood of getting where you need to go. All right, guys, I've given you so much. I've given you all of my tidbits. I've told you how I went about getting a nearly 60K increase on a base offer salary. I've told you the things that I did, the things that um, I suggest that you guys do. I gave a ton of recommendations, probably more than what I tend to do for a lot of people, but you guys are special, so I don't mind doing it. And I also went into a little bit of the negotiation phase, at least what I did to secure my bag. Um, I have a ton more tips, a little bit more tidbits, especially from the HR perspective, and what the business is thinking about. So I will always drop those things as time goes on, as we're doing more and more um, podcast uh, episodes. So stay tuned for that. There's so many more things coming for you guys. That all said, if you follow me on Instagram, good job. And if not, I suggest that you do because I drop so many gems over there that is not only reflective of the podcast, but things that are happening on the website and also just things and nuggets that you guys should know. So you can find all of that information on my Instagram, which is at the cultured career. And then also take a look at the actual blog post. I go into some detail there, but the podcast really flushes it all out. So you're getting both of the goods and um, from a different perspective as well. And again, if you do follow my Instagram, you'll know and you probably have seen that I am having our first virtual series event on December 9th from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. It is going to be all things amazing. It is talking about how to um, redefine, reinvent yourself in your career for 2021. And also it's going to be talking through a lens of personal branding. So if you're interested in all of those things, if you have any questions related to your career, 
and how you can show up differently for 2021, that is the place to be on December 9th. So hop on over, look at the post, go ahead and RSVP because there are a limited amount of virtual seats. It will be virtual again, it'll be over Zoom. Um, so I do want to make sure that we have a small but intimate group of people there. So if you are interested, go ahead and head over. There are a few seats or actually it's several seats actually taking quite a few. So go ahead and head over in RSVP. You can just do that. It's free. And I don't think that you will regret it. It'll be the best hour that you can spend in 2020 preparing for next year regarding your career and things like that. So I'm super excited. We have a lot of things coming up. This is the very, very beginning. The website's going to be growing. The Instagram's going to be growing. This podcast is going to be growing. So get in early because dropping all of the good stuff, you guys. So um, thank you again for listening and tune in soon. Thanks for joining us in the Office Lounge, where Adrian explained it all. Please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Quick, the boss is coming. Join us next time.